Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Final hour on this Wednesday edition. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Coming up on Friday, a very special edition of the show here at 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll be broadcasting outside in the outdoor beer garden. Special guests throughout the show leading up to Outkick the Tailgate Saturday morning, live from 6th and Peabody. We will be live here 8 o'clock a.m., 9 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and more. You can follow us on social media at Outkick360. And because of the scheduling uh, alignment this week, Brent Hubs and Austin Price are nice enough to join us from VolQuest.com today. There is plenty to talk about with the Tennessee Volunteers. I know Austin is there. The guys are going to give me a heads up that Brent is there as well. Yes, both are there. Austin Price, Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. Guys, hope you're doing well on this Wednesday. Not hearing Austin. I'm doing great. How are you guys? There he is. There he is. There we go. Nice haircut. Hubs, how are you? Thanks. I'm I'm doing fine. It's a typical week (laughs) on Rocky Top, so away we go. Let's get into that typical week uh, on Rocky Top, uh, Brent. I'll, I'll start I, with I you on this. I kind of thought you might. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, no, I want to. No, let's skip right past all. Let's that go, stuff. Vandy. Let's talk Bama. Vandy, Mississippi State. Let's get into that. No, um, the story yesterday uh, with Jeremy Pruitt apparently trying to burn the entire house down uh, on his way of burning his own house down. Um, do you think Tennessee is scared, nervous about what Jeremy Pruitt and his attorney have on them? And does this make them more likely to play ball with a settlement? Or is Tennessee dug in at this point and he's not going to see any money? I think at this point the chancellor is dug in. And I think people around the chancellor have dug in. She's been very adamant, in my opinion, um, and very clear since that uh, January press conference that, that she had no intentions to paying Jeremy Pruitt anything. And I think they've made it very clear back to Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer after this letter was sent that – um, they feel like their, their case has been strengthened against him for cause based on the million-dollar investigation that they've been a part of uh, at this point with the NCAA in tow, and I, I don't think they have any plans. Now, w- you know, what's Jeremy Pruitt holding in his cards? Uh, it's not like they revealed things in a letter, Austin. You know, so you never know what happens down the line, but, but based on where Tennessee's at right now, it doesn't feel like Tennessee's in the market to settle at this point. Yeah, it, interesting strategy by, by by Coach Pruitt and his lawyer, his legal uh, representation, just because, you know, at this point, like, you know, if Tennessee does say, hey, you know, we'll settle, and they look guilty. Like, it, it, that makes no sense at all. At what point, you know, and if you're going to try to, you know, blackmail somebody or, or threaten them, you do that in private, you know, at least to begin with, and, and then go from there, um, you know, uh, not, not, you know, this is one of those things where I just feel like, you know, Dondi Plowman, you know, is, 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 is she's got, you know, her way of doing things. She's established her way of doing things and they're not going to deviate from that playbook, at least not yet. Now, 
could they deviate a year from now, Brent? I mean, that's maybe possible, but you know, for the foreseeable future, I think that uh, they'll prepare to uh, fight this in court. And guys, and, and, go ahead, Brent. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then the question is, how how far do do all parties want to go with things? I mean, the university has a history of settling. We all know that, but that was previous administrations, and that was previous people in charge. And like I said, she was defiant in that January press conference that Jeremy Pruitt was fired for calls and that he was not going to get money. We'll see what happens moving forward at this point. I don't see Tennessee settling in the next couple of weeks, uh, which is kind of what the letter indicated. If you don't, you know, otherwise we're going to file this in court. I think Tennessee at this point is prepared uh, for Jeremy Pruitt's team to file it in court. And this strikes me as a move by Jeremy Pruitt of a desperate man who knows he's not coaching in college again, that knows he's probably getting a, a lengthy show cause because of all this. And he just simply wants his money at the end of the day. From what you guys know, do you feel like he's probably staring down the barrel of a show cost from the NCAA? I mean, Chad, you got if it, if what Dante Plowman has said and said in that that January press conference where there were dozens of infractions under Jeremy Pruitt's watch, and you've got a ten month investigation going into this, I, I don't think that they've spent ten months. Going okay, that one's not a that one's not a violation, and that's not a violation. That's not a violation. I mean, I, I don't think that's what's been discovered. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Jeremy Pruitt is not seeing the college football field. Whether he sues or he doesn't sue, I don't. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt ha- has had any anybody around Jeremy Pruitt's given him hope that he was going to be in the college football game anytime soon. Given the fact, guys, that the NCAA has spent this much time on this investigation and the attorney is now threatening to release more uh, infractions, let's say, how bad could it possibly be? Like, what, what would the NCAA not have been able to turn up having had full cooperation from the university? And I, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I, I, I don't blame the university for calling the bluff of this attorney. Well, I, I, I think at the end of the day, Jonathan, this is something where – you know, anytime you, you know, spend time at a place, you, you get to know people. Yeah. Um, you hear old war stories, so to speak. And, you know, are some of those embellished or some of them the truth? I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 my, my point is, is like, you know, I, I have a feeling that this is what most of this is about. When you start referencing certain people and, and, and people that weren't here and people that have been gone and, and those type things like it, that, that, that screams like, well, you know, I heard this story, you know, and, and, you know, this is what I was told. Okay. Good luck proving that. I mean, like, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to, you're going to throw all your cars down on the table. You better be able to back them up. And, uh, you know, otherwise you come up, uh, you know, with nothing. So, um, th- th- it's going to be interesting, Brent, to see how all this unfolds and, you know, kind of where, you know, the finger pointing and where the finger, finger pointing goes. Well, I don't think there's anything in the letter that the lawyer sent to the university that states Jeremy Pruitt is innocent. I may have missed that line, but but I didn't see that in the letter that Jeremy Pruitt is saying, hey, I, I, I'm, not, I'm innocent of everything. Um, that was not the, the crux that I took away from the letter. The crux that I took away was, hey, I, I'm not, I, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things wrong at Tennessee, was kind of the implication from Jeremy Pruitt, and it's happened for a long period of time. So to answer your question, Jonathan, what could they? I don't know if they're going to find anything else in football, but I don't know that they've been looking for anything else other than football. So the question is, does Jeremy Pruitt have 
a smoking gun, so to speak, that would send somebody looking into another program. And that's why Rick Barnes came out in Chris Lowe's ESPN story last night and said, hey, if the NCAA wants to look at us, we welcome them. Come on in. Because the, the, the investigation has centered around the Jeremy Pruitt administration at Tennessee, right? Yes. And so they haven't been looking for anything else. The implication that I took from the letter, the way it was phrased, was, hey, don't, don't just burn us down. If you're going to burn us down, there's a whole lot of other people you ought to burn down as well. Well, and if that's the case, Brent, then maybe they ought to just end college sports. Because at the end of the day, the, anything that, that Pruitt was doing, where did he learn it from? He didn't learn it on his own. You know, and, and, you know he, all, all these schools, I mean, look at LSU with basketball, so on and so forth. Yes. Again, there's a reason that we've moved into the name, image, likeness era to, to, to try to get away from some of the dirtiness that is the, the, the dark world of college athletics. And so, um, you know, it, when you look at the, the broad scope of this thing, sure, you know, Coach Pruitt's, you know, basically like, you know, like I am when I get on the, you know, when I get on the elevator at Neyland Stadium and they say, hey, do you know about the mask policies on floor five? And I say, yeah, but are you going to hold everybody to those same standards? You know, you know, it's the same type thing. Like he's wanting everybody to hold, you know, all the other sports, all every, every everything going on the same standard that he's currently being held to. Well, and where did he learn it? Uh, he took Brian Niedermeyer from Alabama, which was a big hire at the time, and that's where he came from originally. And if this is an investigation into the Jeremy Pruitt administration, did Tennessee and the NCAA find anything at Alabama or at Georgia? I know Amarius Mims has been mentioned multiple times in multiple reports. He, last I checked, he didn't end up at Tennessee. Uh, so is anything going to come out on Alabama or Georgia at the end of the day? And is Jeremy Pruitt and his attorney willing to give over information that may end up hurting Alabama or Georgia based on what they may know? I don't know where it's going to go. We'll see. I mean, like, like I said, Jeremy Pruitt sent a – his lawyer sent a very uh, forceful, um, clear letter that they were, that they, that they were coming – and Tennessee basically put their heels in the ground in a reply and said, we'll be here waiting. That's kind of where it's at. Brent, set the, set the scene or the stage for us for Pruitt being fired with cause versus no cause. And you're right about the letter. The letter states that, oh, they may win the argument that he's fired with cause, but we're still going to release this information that would be detrimental to their program, so pay the buyout. Um, explain what Pruitt is accused of doing, what they're investigating about him specifically, and ultimately where Pruitt comes down on all this. Because you're right, he didn't, he didn't claim innocence in this letter. Well, Tennessee has stated, and we've not seen any, any specific findings. They've not released the violations. They've not released anything. Uh, but Tennessee made it very clear, very publicly, to the surprise of many, uh, to some of the details, uh, when they stated at the press conference in January that there were dozens of violations against Jeremy Pruitt's football program. And I think, I'm going to paraphrase, but I think the Don D. Plowman said she was appalled at the level that, um, was, that they went to to cover up those violations. Um, and, and that happened on Jeremy Pruitt's watch. And Tennessee felt like as a result of the uh, investigated piece and the interviews that were done in the investigation in November and December, and Jeremy Pruitt's visit with the NCAA, um, that they had enough to fire him with cause and not pay him the $12 million buyout. And, and that's what Tennessee ha has done. Um, it's hard in this day and age to, to do that. Mo most people don't go down that road. Most people just take a settlement. 
they work out a deal and 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 the divorce is a lot cleaner uh, to be honest with you tennessee basically said we're not giving you 12 million dollars because of what you've done and jeremy pruitt because he hasn't gotten his 12 million dollars or part of his 12 million dollars since has come back in this letter and said you know what if i'm not going to get paid then some other people are don't need to be getting paid either and, and and i and i've got evidence to that point and so yeah this is a this is all about money i mean this, this is what it's about if jeremy pruitt had gotten a settlement and been told you can't talk about it then then we wouldn't be having this conversation but tennessee was very clear in their belief that he was not deserving of a dime uh, of money from his buyout because of his transgressions that they have what are those we don't know specifically because they haven't released that but uh, the indication is that there are dozens of level one violations against jeremy pruitt's program Brent Hubbs and Austin Price with us coming up. We discussed the game at Neyland Stadium this past Saturday night and the scene at Neyland Stadium. We'll discuss that. Lane Kiffin will look ahead as well to this week's matchup against Bama and much more. We're discussing all things Vols with VolQuest on OutKick 360. Bad calls, golf balls, and Lane Kiffin. It was quite the scene at Neyland Stadium on Saturday night. Ole Miss leaves with the victory over Tennessee and a lot of fallout to discuss there as Tennessee now gets set for Tuscaloosa in the matchup against Alabama. Outkick 360 rolls on. VolQuest Power Hour. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price with us from VolQuest.com. What's Josh Heupel's message to his guys when he gets them together for the first time after all of that in terms of kind of re-energizing them and getting them to put it in the past, I guess. Well, I mean, I think that his message is, you know, as it would be after any loss. Um, yeah, you had a great environment, great opportunity. Here are the things that we did well. Here are the things that we came up short on. And let's go back to work. I don't think you dwell on it a lot. Um, you're certainly not going to dwell on the 20-minute delay because that's not anything that the, the kids had, you know, were a part of. Um, I don't think you dwell on the officiating part of it. I, I think you just point out good, bad, really bad, Austin, and, and you go back to work. And I think that's been was Josh Heupel's simple message. This is a certainly a marathon, not a sprint, with where this team is right now. Well, I mean, you know, when you look at you know just everybody Tennessee was missing in that football game. I mean. You know, uh, you, you know. Obviously, Cade Mays. Um, you know, Taylor Lewan. Um, oh wait, my bad. Um, you know, Ion <laughs> Evans. Um, you know, I, one of those things where they 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 kind of scrapped and battled. I mean, you think about everything that happened, and the twenty minute delay, and the fact that that team got a three and out, returned a punt, and literally had the ball with three seconds to go before Joe Milton jogged out of bounds, um, you know, just remarkable. They kind of hung in there. I mean, these kids have, have continued to fight and claw and scrap. And, uh, you know, that's why you play, you know, the full, you know, the full game. You don't, you know, with 50 seconds to go, you don't go, eh. oh, well, I mean, again, the fact they had a shot at the end is remarkable in its own right. And a year ago, that would not have happened. And I don't think that I don't think Josh Heupel's worried about his team mentally getting back up or or, or getting off the deck or anything like that. I, I I don't think he has that concern at all, Paul. Well, and and it's rare that I watch a coach's show, but I did so in this instance because of the the wackiness of that game with with Josh Heupel. And what jumped out to me, guys, was what you just mentioned, Austin. 
the final play of the game and Joe Milton stepping out of bounds uh, after a 10-yard run. And that was the one moment that Josh Heupel actually seemed frustrated for the first time in the, the history of his coaches show where he was exasperated and he, he just, you could almost hear something drop on the desk and he said, you just can't do this right here. We, we have talked about this is the final play. You have to give your team a chance to win. This is an inexcusable play. How does Tennessee and Josh Heupel go forward now with Joe Milton after a mistake like that? And do you think that we're going to see Joe Milton, if Hendon Hooker's hurt, is it Joe Milton that's going to start against Alabama? Uh, Brent, we'll start with you on this one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you probably will see Joe Milton uh, because I think he is, in, in the eyes, even though that play was obviously horrific and you can't do that, I, I think they probably feel like he is their best option, um, you, you know, but we've wondered this week, I mean, where's the rest of the team with Joe Milton? I mean, you, you got guys who played 100 snaps. And, and the last play of the game, your quarterback doesn't give you a chance to win the football game. And not only that, he, he decides to make a really bad decision and tuck and run it, and then he compounds that decision by not trying to run over anybody and score. Um, he goes out of bounds. And so um, there were some frustrated – Josh Heupel wasn't the only one frustrated after the game. Um, and he wasn't – it wasn't just coaches that were frustrated. So that, to Paul's question, was probably the biggest thing he had to deal with Monday morning when, when your team got back together. Yeah, I mean, I watched Jerome Carvin and – it's all over Joe Milton there at the end. Because, again, they had fought and clawed and scrapped to be down there with the position. And it's not that he ran, okay? Sometimes you, know, you, you, sure, you say, hey, you should have put that ball in the air. Sure. But it's that he jogged out of bounds like, like it was the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, like, you, you get tackled in the field of play. If you're going to run, and still, you don't condone that either, but if you're going to do that, you get tackled. You're a truck. You're 6'5". You're 245 pounds, and you jog out of bounds like you're 5'7 and a buck 50. It, Dumbest play I've ever seen in person. I'll get, continue to beat that. Well, and it's crazy. You bring up a great point, Austin, but to see the difference in Hendon Hooker's final run where it looks like he would have killed himself to get out of a tackle to go score a touchdown, and he hurts himself in the process, and then Joe Milton, who, by the way, I think threw the best pass of his Tennessee career on the play before that. Uh, that was almost a touchdown to win the game to Cedric Tillman, so I will give him credit on that throw where he's rolling to his sure. right, but just inexcusable uh, in the end. Also inexcusable was the, the fumble return for a touchdown that was not uh, for Tennessee. It's certainly inexcusable for people to throw stuff on the field, and it was embarrassing for Tennessee fans when that happened. The SEC was quick to release a statement on that. Did Dave Hart and Josh Heupel contact the SEC asking for a statement on why they had seven points taken off the board? I don't know that Dave Hart did, but Danny White did. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Did, did, I say, did I say Dave Hart? I'm so, guys, I'm so entrenched in Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee's past. I'm thinking, what did Dave Hart have to do with the cheating no. with Tennessee football back it in the day? It is Bama also? week. It is Bama week. Yeah, that's true. And, and Bama week. It's all in the family, I'm Chris, right? I'm Chris Broussard um, over here. So, no, I mean, yeah, they, I, that, that was clearly a discussion. If you look at the, at the response um, that Danny White gave um, on, I guess, Monday or when, whenever they released a statement regarding the fine, I, I think the second sentence in there was they, he, Danny White made it clear they talked about a whole lot of things, and, and they certainly talked about officiating. And um, there's a lot to discuss with officiating in the SEC. 
And there are a lot of things that, that have to be, uh, I think, addressed um, with officiating in this conference. It's been this way for a while. Certainly flops have to be addressed. you got to figure out something there. I'm still befuddled by the fact that we, we put in review to correct wrongs, to right wrongs on the field. Yet too many players are not reviewable, and, and there's not enough wrongs being righted. Because either, A, we don't have the angle because you don't have a camera where you need to have it, or it's by rule not a reviewable play, or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I think that is the frustration that not just me, I think a lot of fans, media, coaches, everybody has is, look, if we're going to do all this replay stuff and every game's going to be on TV, let's put the replay guys in the best position to right or wrong because human error is going to happen on the field. And if we're trying to correct some of those human errors or the bulk of those human errors, let's give ourselves a better chance to do that. And they're not doing that right now. Is there anything the SEC can do now? Is this an off-season issue that they have to take up with the with the conference and as a collective voting body, they get something better than what's going on right now with officials? Yeah, no, I think I, so. I, I, I mean, I think this is all an off-season thing, whether it be the, the, the fake injuries, whether it be, you know, uh, getting more camera angles. I mean, Brent's talked about that, and he, he was saying that right after the game, the fact that there are not – uh, the same amount of cameras at every venue, uh, whether it's streamed, SEC Network, ESPN, CBS, whatever, whatever the total numbers of, number of cameras are for those broadcasts, it should be uniform across the board because there are hundreds of millions of dollars involved in the TV contract. You're telling me that they can't say, okay, instead of doing 40 cameras for SEC Network and 46 for CBS, we're just going to do 46 across the board. It'll cost us an extra chunk of change, but it's it, it alleviates a lot of the problems we're having. It just it, well, too much money's involved. It just means more. Then let it just mean more in every regard, and not just with just a slogan and, and and a couple of small things. Well, I mean, do we need the pylon cam? What's that giving us? What what is that shot giving anybody? I mean, uh, is my viewing experience better because I have the pylon cam? Or would the viewing experience be better if we had a TV, a camera shot of both sidelines? Let's well, look at Monday night in the Titans game, right? Okay, here, here, here the Buffalo Bills go. There's a scramble. We have a camera angle to clearly show that he's short of the first down marker. Don't have that. If, that, if that's an SEC Network game, you don't have that angle. Well, we you saw don't, that Saturday the, night. The problem, though, Brent, is and that was the Monday NF Night Football. Yeah, that's Monday Night Football. The NFL doesn't have that for Titans-Jags on a Sunday either. And that, that that's the issue, is these networks are going to point to the NFL where week to week, they're not carrying the same equipment to all these NFL stadiums. They've got the same issue. The best games have the best equipment, and it's not a universal right. rule. And so CBS is going to point to the SEC, they're going to, and so will ESPN and ABC. They'll point to the NFL and say, we're not doing it there. So, but no, guys, we're not going to bring the same truck. Every week. But guys, we are we are marketing devices that are shooting I know. motion pictures. I'm with so you. So you tell them we can't we can't put we can't. I don't care if you use it in the actual broadcast right. or just send it back fiber back to the compound for for review. You can't put something on a yard marker. I hey, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it's dumb you know? that the NFL doesn't treat that better. But are we really going to expect that the SEC is going to give that same equipment to Vanderbilt, UConn? Should they they won't 
I mean, we know the answer. Well, I think I think the response well, to that is Brent, kind of what you're saying. It doesn't Brent's have to be a broadcast. Set camera. up a high tripod it, it could, somewhere along the sidelines. Yes, that's what they rely on. Cell phone camera on it also. But they rely on these calls from the network. They're looking at all these different cameras and all these sideline cameras oh, I, I because of my, that. But my point is, if you want to use replay, look, we're asking us. We're let's let's go to the Jacob Warren play. Okay, Let, let's yes. just go to that play. The, the the side judge, everybody's talking about how he's 20 yards behind the ball, right? Okay, he's not in a position to mark that accurately. W- would we all agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, but here's the thing. He can't leave the line of scrimmage any sooner. He can't get there. He can't be there because of the responsibility he has at the line of scrimmage to make sure a guy's not downfield, all the other things he's responsible of. When the ball's thrown, he's supposed to turn and run. Okay. Well, guess what? He's not going to catch up to a 40 yard pass. So we're, we're either going to say, Hey, we're just not going to worry about it. Okay. And the human element is there. My point is if that's what we're going to do, let's abolish stopping the game 18 times for replay. Because the most important thing late in the game is marking the football, right? I mean, is, is that not what you're, is that what, I mean, on that's that play, that's to the, that's going to be the thing. That's the, the line game. to gain is going to be the thing okay. on that play. I mean, so, so when you look at replays, what are the most important replays, right? Did he get two feet inbounds in the NFL? Did he get one foot down, right? Did, did, did we get the ball marked the right way? Are those not the most critical plays that are up for review? Typically. Okay. Then, then let's make sure those are the ones that are covered the most. Whatever that means you got to get done, let's do that first to, to help the officials on the field out because – the game's fast, and you're putting them in bad spots. That's my point. Figure out a way to do that. You don't have to put a truck, and you don't have to put a guy, and you don't have to put, you know, a high definition cam, whatever. Austin said this the other day. Are we not to the if if you can trace a golf ball 300 yards? Can we not tack a football to where it, we know what yard marker it hits? Yeah, that that, that debate. Forward. Yeah, the tech, the te- that technology hasn't caught up that they can't put something on the inner shell of the ball to replace a chain gang that our grandfathers were doing at, at high school stadium seems crazy. Well, and the, the biggest, the biggest problem I have with this, this whole game and, and people are going to say, look, bad calls happen. You got to overcome them. Yada, 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 all, all true. But Brent, you said, you know, if we're going to have these, all these plays that are reviewable, but then other bad calls that aren't reviewable, my only point in the game that I will look and say, this feels almost nefarious is the fact that the officials did not blow a play dead, ran with a fumble return for a touchdown, signaled a touchdown, Tennessee's extra point unit is on the field, and instead of coming back and saying the ruling on the field is a fumble recovery for a touchdown, which is the way they acted, then they could have gone to review and saw that it was a legitimate play. fumble. But they, they reversed it. Play. But here, this, is, this is my problem, well, Brent. They reversed it to a non-reviewable play. They could have easily used the cover of review by just ruling it like you see a lot. You don't blow the play dead. You let it follow through, and you allow the cameras to help you if you're unsure of what happened. But, but they but, were but unsure, the, and instead of that, they, they re-ruled it a play that you could not review, which is inexcusable to me. Right, but, but the, the ruling was – you're not ruling whether he fumbled. You're rule, the, the ruling is forward progress. And you can't rule. For, you can't rule review forward progress. But there they did. No progress. But they did not rule that. But here's my point. They did not rule that on the field. No whistle was blown. They didn't blow it dead. For, I understand what you're saying. 
But they and they all got. But but again, they got together and said, "This is what we're going to call now," which I have a huge problem with. But in that scenario, whether you call it dead, you can't. You don't call it dead there. Whatever, you can't go upstairs and say, "Hey, did we do something wrong?" But you can't. That's upstairs play. But Brent, this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is my problem with the play. All they had to do if they were unsure was do what they did on the field which was call it a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and then you know that you're covered. I feel like that's taught in officiating school. If you're but unclear, you can't review forward do, do what you, you called covered? the first time. You can't reverse you it either covered? way. You can't, you can't reverse to forward progress. Nobody can cover you and say it's right or it's wrong. But they didn't call a lack of forward progress initially. I'm saying if they it ruled it a fumble. It should have called a touchdown. Yes. My point is, my, I agree with you. The point is, there's no cover for them because there's nobody who can go up and upstairs and say, you're right, or you say that you're wrong because it's not reviewable. Yeah. That's and, my point. Well, and that's that that was the thing. If yes, I think we're in total agreement we're, on all of this. Also, that where there's okay. no progress, you can't call it end of forward progress. He wasn't doing anything. <laughs> let me but, let me and, ask and you look, guys. And, and look, to compound that, I know we're running out of time, and we'll move on. But to no, compound we got time. that, that they go in the end zone. Clearly, Matt Corral's in the grasp in the end zone, right, Austin? And then they got we got a four-minute delay on whether or not there's a receiver in the area. They don't rule him in the grasp in the end zone by Amari Thomas. The only reason that's a safety is because the running back grounding. was two yards outside of where or further than he should have been where the ball landed, so it's intentional grounding. I, Those are I, the things that I'm make just, fans crazy. I, I'm just enjoying the, the the back and forth. I love when Hubs gets animated, gets upset. He's got Big Berg over his right shoulder. I mean, he is fired up. This is good stuff. There's times I felt like we were at Sesame Street, but go ahead. Yeah, it will take no it will take a public mandate that we heard from this conference about college basketball improving to improve the officiating, and and that 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 needs to start from the top. Like Sankey should be echoing what Hubs and Withrow are saying about this game. And quite frankly, the coaches should do it too, uh, because it's it's dumb that we're not talking about a conference USA matchup here. All respect to them, uh, we're talking about the the SEC that points to everything being grand and perfect and bigger than better than anything, and uh, you, you have some really bad decisions being made. And to Hubs's point, no cover to go back and get the call right as it was played that's, out on the field. Well, that, that's, that's my point. Is, is look, there's no transparency. All right, so we have no idea if there was any anything punishment or what. If anybody said, "Hey, we made a mistake," whatever. There's not that that takes place, okay. And again, these officials aren't making what NFL guys make, okay. I think the game's harder to call. That game Saturday night was impossible to call because of how fast it was played. But if we're going to have replay, let replay be of a greater aid to the officials on the field than what it is. That's my point. I'm done. Well, and, and, and my point would be, and my point would be again. It's kind of like I, if I if I had a friend who was going to be a a a big time college football coach, my advice to that person would be, hey, find you a couple of people in the media you trust and use them for counsel on things. When I and when I say that, I mean like like no one ever like thinks about like the trickle down effect of decisions. It's like where's the person counseling? Uh, you know, Vincent and, and Sankey and some of these people for like, I mean, who thought it was a good idea with Lane Kiffin come back to Knoxville with the speed of this game to put that trash crew that they used uh, on Saturday night, which has had years and years and years of, of problems. Like who thought that was a good idea? Like, again, 
we're, we're the people to, to bounce ideas off of and say, what do you think of doing this? Well, you know, they've had these problems that this, 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 and this over the years, probably not a good idea with the volatility that Tennessee fans have towards Lane, so on and so forth. Again, as you guys said, it doesn't excuse throwing golf balls and, 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 and water bottles, mustard. mustard bottles, and all that stuff. But, you know, like all that was a collaborative effort of how bad the officiating was, and then it just boiled over. We, we're, you know, all, I, we're always going to be talking about the SEC. I understand that. But this kind of heightens it and spices it up to a different level. Is there an element of it, maybe even subconsciously, but I think consciously, that does not mind that on a Wednesday – the five of us are together still talking about this, that it's a hot topic and a headline and a big deal. I think that there might be. It's embarrassing a, is what it is. All right with it. I don't think they're embarrassed by it because if they're embarrassed by it, they would fix it. I think there might be on some level they're okay with there being a good controversy to mix things up and the NFL keep us still has Jerome Boger. The NFL too. has these things too and Bounty Gate and Deflate Gate were in some ways good for the NFL because it was a talking point for months when the NFL wouldn't have been talked about in the same way. I mean, I don't. From a competition standpoint, in front of everybody that everybody can see, uh, I would hope that that you would be uh, not sitting by, back on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning going, "Hey, boys, we got us a topic because we didn't blow that play dead, or we changed our yeah, ruling not on that." Like that. I mean, but I in hope, the aftermath, I hope that's not the case. In the aftermath, I think when they're silent about it, I think they well, they we wouldn't be silent on the SEC either way, Paul. We we have spent time discussing the officials instead of discussing Tennessee, Alabama. No, I today. know, but this is a spicier conversation. Not really. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Alabama We're calling them out. out. It's not a conversation of debate. There is no debate here. They're terrible as a conference with officials. That's I, just. I just think that they'd they'd be more apt to fix things like this if it meant as much to them as it should. Hubs, well, I, I go ahead. I want to see what I want to see what happens at the end of the year because here's what we've had. We we had obviously issues in the Tennessee game. Okay, and and, and the one major play with Tyler Barron, and and then I think you're asking guys to to really hard things to do in terms of spotting the ball. We saw an ACC crew miss spot a football in the Pittsburgh Tennessee game. That was a costly situation as well. We saw a crew, an AC, or an SEC crew at Happy Valley in Auburn and Penn State mess up the number, what what down it was, right? Cost Penn State a down. You got a crew in the Mississippi State-Memphis game that completely butchered a punt return that cost Mississippi State a football game, okay? I mean, we're, we're halfway through the season, and I just rattled off five plays that are potential game-changing plays that you hope somebody looks at and says, you know what, how can we help our officials? How can we help the guys on the field more than we are right now? Which goes back to, which goes back to what fans want to point out. Would this ever happen to Georgia or Alabama, the bell cow programs currently in this league? If it did and it cost them, one of them, a chance to go to the playoff, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, something happens. Hubs, uh, I, I fully admit I, I was not listening to the Vol Network in the fourth quarter of this game. I was watching. It was glued to the TV. However, I did find myself after the game, after the 22-minute delay at the end of the game, thinking to myself, man, I wonder what Pat Ryan was like in the booth. 
during all of this. What was it like sitting next to Pat Ryan as golf balls and mustard bottles and everything else was being thrown on the field for 22 minutes long? Well, I think that's the thing is it was it was the length. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, listen, they, they threw bottles or, or they threw they've thrown stuff on the field at all kinds of venues around the country. Some this year. Right. We see it racetracks. We've seen it at the Jaguars. We've seen it at different places that it's happened. I, I've never been a part of somewhere where it was that le- that long. I mean, it, I mean, it rained down debris over a 20 minute period. You, you don't see that happen. And, um, you know, as I said on the broadcast, Pat, you know, Pat was kind of sheesh at multiple different points where it continued to happen. And, and I said this on the broadcast, it's not the way you want to be in the news the day after. And um, that, that's where Tennessee was. So, I mean, it was, it was a little bit of disbelief that it was that long, that it took, you know, and then you're trying to figure out, are they going to play? Are they going to, I mean, at one point, because everything was being thrown out of the south end, I wondered if they were going to move the ball to the north end and, oh. and play coming out of that end zone, you know, because there wasn't anything coming from that end. You know, do we do we? But but the problem was you to do that. Where were you going to put the the Ole Miss players on the sideline because they were having to step out to midfield basically because of stuff that was hitting their sideline. So where were you going to move them to 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 allow that to happen? Uh, but at one point I wondered if they were going to go that, and then at one point I wondered if they were going to call the game even though Tennessee had three timeouts and was going to have an opportunity to get the football back. So there was a lot of just what, what, what this is un, unheard of. What, what's going to happen here uh, and how long is this actually going to go? And at what point does it get to a length where they say we're done? Guys, uh, unfortunately, we are done with our Tennessee Power Hour. It was jam-packed, full of stuff. And Sorry, I, domi- I no, dominated no, no. it with no, a It's a great discussion to we have. Love it. uh, we want you. And it, yeah, it's absolutely worth uh, discussing the officials off of that game and off of the what we've seen this season and in past seasons where it's very predictable that week-to-week issues are going to crop up like this. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy Tuscaloosa, uh, and we will catch up with you next week. We appreciate the schedule shuffle this week. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Austin Price and Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. Uh, we highly recommend visiting their site for the best Tennessee Vols coverage on all things athletics. We give you Titans coverage next on Outkick 360. Wrapping up what's been a jam-packed and fun Outkick 360. So Wednesday fun. Wednesday edition. So, so much fun. fun. So much fun. So much fun here. Production assistant Ellie Sylvia told us it was a lot of fun. David Reed, chairman of the board, Jacob Swanson, Jonathan Moulton, thank you guys for the hard work today, each and every day. Ellie was the only one who didn't have fun here today. Yeah, that's right. I feel like she's the only one. I feel like she never has fun. By the look on her face, she's the only one who had zero fun today. The rest of us had a lot of fun. Uh, Paul's been having fun for decades on this date. Well, 23 years ago tonight, I had a lot of fun. I went out. For, <laughs> Do tell. Well, I went out for drinks with friends to watch the Yankees in the World Series, which used to be a regular occurrence. Uh, I actually had tickets for Game Five of that Back series. Back before the league and, and didn't figure it. you out. Yeah, they swept it before they closed the gap. This is the Padres series. Yes, I had a ticket to Game Five. Uh, there was no Game Five, but uh, so I went out with two friends. One of them, Jeff Duncan, who you guys probably know, the uh, New Orleans yeah. sports columnist, who's excellent. And there were two lovely young ladies next to us, and they had two pitchers of beer and a vegetable plate. This was a great opening to, to flirt with these ladies. We're like, wow, this is a very interesting diet you have here. Two pitchers of beer and a vegetable plate. Yeah. And so we ended up having Hutton a great, great yeah, conversation. If, if, if Hutton had been there, you would have never had a chance. If he yeah, saw that vegetable right. plate, it would have been over. Yeah. They, call, they both would have went home with him. They call, yeah, they call, 
you're, you're lucky. You're lucky that Hutton was 12. Yeah. Uh, when this happened, well, he would have got a vegetable plate of his own. Yeah, we, I was we taking ate, the veggie plate um, and leaving. They call that diet the drunken rabbit. So we hit it off with them well enough that we joined our tables. We we drank with them. We had a big time watching the game. So much fun. I I was flirting very hard with the one girl, and I thought I I'm definitely getting her number. There's no way I'm not taking her out on a date. And uh, end of the night comes, everything's ter- terrific, and uh, I ask her for a number, and she says no. I'm like, this is horrific. I've got to get this girl's this number. Before or after Natalie Maines? Uh, the same same time frame, probably the same fall. I like that. The same time frame. I'm oh, not asking. Did it remind you of Natalie Maines, or had Natalie Maines not happened yet? Yeah, when, I don't. When she I, said don't no. I don't remember. I think we should also honor the Natalie Maines anniversary. <laughs> like you have that. I don't, have, your, I don't, I don't have that. That date was yesterday. Twenty 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 one years ago tomorrow <laughs> is when I was at a Natalie Maines concert. Uh, Dixie so Chicks. I'm really pressing. What are they for now? Her, the chicks. I'm really Sorry. pressing for Apologies. her phone number, and she really won't give me her phone number. I'm like, we've had such a good time. I don't understand how you wouldn't give me your phone number. And uh, finally, her friend intervenes, and she says, I'll give you my phone number. Oh. Um, which is her phone number, because we're roommates. And, and back was in 1998, a- remarkably, people shared a phone in an apartment. It the, was a hard-line phone number. number. <laughs> nice. So she gave me her phone number, which was the other girl's phone number. And the other girl is my wife, Teresa. Um, so... 23 years ago tonight, uh, I got that phone number. Side note, I had a jacket that was called the Double Whammy. It was like a shell jacket over the inside part. And so I left the inside of the Double Whammy at Jonathan's. Uh, And it was stolen from there. So I had to buy a Double Whammy again. So I had a quadruple whammy, but I only had the triple whammy part of it at a quadruple whammy price. Very expensive night in terms of jackets and beers. And ultimate investment in an engagement ring and a marriage. What a lovely story, Paul. I, yeah. I love it. Um, uh, happy anniversary for that. Uh, real quick, no? because I just saw this quote come Yankees by. Yankees won also. Yes, congrats to the Yankees too in 1998. Um, or 99. Was it 98, 98. or 98? 98. Um, this, these quotes from Kiffin about the play we just discussed with, with Brent Hubbs. When he was first asked about the scoop and score touchdown that wasn't, he just said, asked to clarify what happened in that play. He said, I'm very thankful for that call uh, of what happened. And then he later was asked if Matt Corral heard a whistle on the play like he was asking. And Kiffin says, Corral told me he heard a whistle, but I didn't hear anything. <laughs> Kiffin, being honest, says he didn't hear a whistle. Yeah, but he, he knows exactly what happened. With yeah, he got, he, he, the game was gifted to him. That's what happened. Uh, there will be nothing gifted to the Titans this week with their injury report, Paul. Yeah, A.J. Brown illness, so I don't know if that's remnants of the Chipotle incident. Randy Bullock with the shoulder didn't practice. Chris Jackson with the ankle, who's a big concern, didn't practice. Julio Jones with the hamstring. Taylor Lewan with the concussion. Jeremy McNichols with the ankle. Chester Rogers with a groin injury. They all did not practice. Blasting game, Monty Rice, Roger Saffold. Uh, all were limited. This was a walkthrough, so it's somewhat of a more of a estimate, I would guess, as to what they would have done if they actually. Uh, uh, they probably didn't walk through, but they definitely wouldn't have done these things if they had an actual practice today. Randy Bullock with a shoulder injury that occurred yep. when he threw himself uh, and sacrificed his shoulder. That ended up being a kickoff return that was called back for Buffalo. Special teams, special teams wasn't good to the Titans because that's where Batson also uh, yeah. tore his ACL on a special teams play. Right. Uh, injuries will be a massive concern uh, for this group all week. Chiefs are banged up too. Yeah, um, Tyreek Hill didn't practice today with a quad injury, I think. 
full game preview coming up tomorrow and Friday, Titans and Chiefs on Sunday at Nissan Stadium. We'll talk more college football tomorrow. Uh, Bobby Carpenter will join us. Armando Salguero will be on the show as well. NFL headlines to get you ready for Thursday night football and more for NFL's Week 7 already here as we are officially here in mid-October. We are back at it tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today for Outkick 360 Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hope you'll join us tomorrow starting at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. You single guys out there, I know times have changed, but if you see women with a vegetable plate and a couple pitchers of beer, go for it. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.